0: Hey, everyone. It's October 25th, basically the eve of this year's NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month, which starts on November 1st. So we're just one week out before the writing begins, the madcap writing, the writing with abandon. And uh, Brooke and I thought, who better to bring back... Than the founder of NaNoWriMo, Chris Beatty, who we talked to uh, a couple years ago, I believe. And Chris has done NaNoWriMo longer than anyone. He's done it every single year since 1999. And he's written the ultimate book on NaNoWriMo, a book that I often call the Bible of NaNoWriMo. It's called No Plot, No Problem. And this all means that Chris has the best NaNoWriMo advice of anyone in the world, of course. And beyond that, he's just a whole lot of fun. So we wanted to offer his advice, his charisma, his just overall loveliness heading into this last week of October before NaNoWriMo begins. So please enjoy this conversation we had with Chris and then go to NaNoWriMo.org to sign up to write your novel this year. Enjoy. Thank you. I'm super excited to welcome our next guest because he's been a friend of mine for years and I think he's one of the most inspirational people on the planet to many of our listeners Chris Beatty doesn't need an introduction he's the founder of National Novel Writing Month NaNoWriMo which just happens to be the largest writing event in the world uh, not surprisingly, Chris also holds the NaNoWriMo record of most consecutive NaNoWriMo's because he's participated every year since 1999. So if my math is right, that's 20 novels. If there's a, a Writing Hall of Fame in this world, Chris deserves to be honored for that statistic alone. But beyond that, Chris is also the author of two of the best NaNo prep books in the world. The classic "No Plot, No Problem," which I often refer to as the Bible of nanorimo. It's 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 a great read, especially for anyone who's never done nanorimo before. And he's the co-author of Ready Set Novel, a novel writing workbook that has has a lot of fun exercises in it. And uh, let's just jump right in with questions for Chris. Uh, Chris, as the record holder for nanorimo participation, are you planning to write a novel this November?
1: Yes, it, it, it is in my bloodstream and DNA now. I fear that I will continue to write novels for the rest of my life in November. There's, I think it's like a Pavlovian response now. As soon as the leaves start turning, I immediately start typing.
0: That's good to hear because I, I don't know what I would say to you to encourage you to participate if you <laughs> weren't. <laughs> I don't know what techniques I would use. Um, but have you decided on an idea yet or when do you usually get your idea for your NaNoWriMo novel?
1: So I haven't decided yet, and I think it kind of depends on um, just fortune, maybe the amount of coffee I've been drinking uh, when that idea hits. Uh, sometimes it's been months beforehand, which has been great, and then I've had time to kind of develop uh, a sort of secondary cast and think about what what's the central problem and what will be the arc of the story. Uh, a far more frequent occurrence is that about a week before November starts, I desperately grab for whatever low-hanging fruit is in either my head or somebody near me's head and uh, just sort of run with that.
0: Good. People can still they can still participate in NaNoWriMo up until the last day or even during November. Right. If they oh, get yeah. an idea. Yeah. Some of the, the best NaNoWriMo stories I've heard have been people who,
1: you know, days into the event just thought, all right, uh, I know I'm starting late, but I'm going to give it a try. And I actually I think starting late helped them kind of lower that that quality bar, that sense of that kind of inner critic because they were like, hey, I'm starting late. This is going to be terrible. That's okay. And they've ended up finding amazing stories and in uh, winning NanoRiMo and going on to uh, kind of this, um, this level of fame that will last a lifetime.
0: That's
2: great. It's inspiring, I think. So uh, Chris, a lot of people are new to NaNoWriMo or who are new, might not know its origin story. So could you tell us the story of that first NaNoWriMo and how you got the wild idea to write a novel in a month in the first place and how you set about doing it way back then?
1: Yes. So this was back in 1999. And, um, I think I had always been a book lover, but had always been kind of terrified at the idea of ever trying to write one. Uh, and so when I was 26, um, I had a good group of friends who were kind of up for anything. And so I sent out an email that was like, Hey, what if we dedicated July? And that was the first, first year was in July. Um, to all of us writing crappy first drafts of books and um, it's okay if they're terrible and we'll just get together and uh, we'll make this like a group undertaking. And, you know, thankfully I had a group of friends who said like, yeah, that's, (laughs) that sounds like a good idea. Uh, And so we, uh, the first year there were just 21 participants, most of us living in the Bay Area and we would like get together in coffee shops in Berkeley and right after work and um, you know, the, I think that secretly some of us were hoping that the books would actually be like amazing diamonds in the rough. And in fact, the books that we wrote were all terrible to a T <laughs> were all bad, but the experience was so much fun. And it felt like even though they were bad books, like the fact that we had written, and kind of found this world and this group of people and they had sort of come to life. I think to me was, it just felt wonderful. And I was like, I I want to keep doing this. And so the next year I put up a website and invited more people and it just kind of snowballed from 21 to 140, then to 5,000 to 14,000 and all the way up to kind of where we are now.
0: You know what? I always find it so interesting, Chris, because like you weren't planning to launch a, you know, a creative Phenomena, or revolution, or a nonprofit in 1999, and yet everything you did during that first month of writing, we're we're doing in some variation now, right? Like we're we have a, we we emphasize writing with a community and writing with other people and collaborating and making writing playful and not worrying about a terrible first draft. And so I, I think it's fascinating, like how you just did it, you know, and it and it and it blossomed into what we have now. Right. I mean,
1: I. I am a person who is full of terrible ideas and I never would have guessed <laughs> that the let's all get together and write a bad novel in a month idea would be the one that actually would end up having legs and being something that, you know, here, whatever, 19 years later, you know, I'm still loving. And um it, it's it's amazing. I think it's a testament to the fact that, like, just so many people have this hunger to kind of, like, um build these worlds and kind of explore their imagination. And ultimately, you know, there's so many people who love reading books that – I think once they give themselves permission to write one, just find out like how much joy there is in that process. And I think especially if you can make it kind of this a group undertaking where you know there are three hundred thousand other people going through the kind of ups and downs of this creative challenge,
0: um, I really do feel like it's it, it unleashes something in us that otherwise might lay dormant. Well, with with the community spirit that you mentioned in mind, we crowdsourced some nano prep questions on Facebook, and this one comes from Samantha German. She says, everyone has their own way of prepping, but are there any essential steps that can't be skipped? I think, I think Samantha is looking to skip perhaps some steps. Um, I would say,
1: um, good. I like that spirit. Let's skip some steps. Um, but I think the one thing I would say is for, for 99% of the people um, that do this, You will hit some tough spots and you will start to realize rightly that this thing is a mess and that, um, you will not be achieving that like beautiful city on the hill vision of like bashing out a first draft that somehow just needs a few typo corrections and you're going to be able to send it out. And I think like to me, the one step you can't skip is just a conversation with yourself around the idea that this is a first draft, that this is a rough draft, that every book you've ever loved started out as this deeply imperfect, collection of characters and kind of half-baked plot notions and some things that started out promising and didn't go anywhere and I think if you can just kind of accept that right off the bat that every book has to start as this really um kind of unbeautiful thing and that but that's how beautiful books get written as you write this first draft and then you revise it in a second draft or a third draft a fourth draft um and by the end of that process of revision like that that beautiful thing does exist, but that and you have to start with the rough draft, like you can't skip that step. Um, So that I think would be my advice to Samantha is just knowing that it's going to be ugly, but that that is the path to beauty.
2: Yeah, I think that's the brilliance of NaNoWriMo right there, actually. And uh, well, here's another one, because we got a few questions for you specifically. And uh, Trixie Cruz asked, how can you know your ideas are strong enough to support a novel? So what's your advice on novel selection? Well, given what you said? (laughs) at the outset. You have great advice on that.
1: Well, so one of the questions I get a lot, so I teach a class, um, through continuing studies at Stanford. That's basically a, a, national novel writing month class. And I think a lot of people come to class with two ideas and their question is, which is the right idea? Cause I think a lot of times we, you know, by the time we sit down to write, we're like, Oh, there was that kind of the book that's maybe about my family story. And then there's that kind of like crazy science fiction book I have wanted to write. And, um, c- kind of like, we sort of have this feeling like, Oh, one of these paths is the right way. To me, I think it's the one, the book that you would most like to read is if you're picking from different options is the right one to write. Like what is the one that you would like, you would grab at the bookstore and throw down on the counter and buy right away if you read a blurb about it on the back. Um, So I think following like your passion as a reader is a really kind of great compass as you think about whether an idea is like worth following. But I think barring that, like even if you have no ideas that you would ever approach in a bookstore, <laughs> I do think that like just taking an idea and exploring it is so worthwhile. And that's kind of the beauty of this being a 30 day challenge is that if at the end of the month, you feel like, wow, yep, that was, it seemed like it was not a good idea. And at the end of it, I found out it was not a good idea. And I don't want to go back to this book. I still think that's a great use of 30 days and really it was only a month of your time. And I think along that journey, you probably will have discovered some characters or some scenes that can kind of be the heart of another
0: story or another novel. Yeah. I sometimes think of NaNoWriMo. It's almost like a novel idea vetting (laughs) event. Um, because I, I, I do the same thing. I, I test a novel idea and it's, it's a beautiful test because it's only 30 days. And if it's, if it's calling me, I might spend a couple more years on it, but if it's not calling me, it's gone and I did it. And that's, that's wonderful. Right. And I, you know, some people also end up writing a book that they
1: love, that they have no interest in like going through years of revision, that that alone was just, that was why they did it. They just wanted to, um, kind of spend some time exploring their imagination and, and they did it. And I think that's also great. I think a a lot of times people kind of put this pressure on themselves about like, well, this needs to be the path towards the bestseller list or something. And, but I think other people kind of do NaNoWriMo in the same way they might run a marathon where really the only thing, that matters is that they finished it, that they had a meaningful experience along the way. They got some free Gatorade, whatever it was. I, you know, I think that there are a lot of reasons to write a novel. And I think finishing editing and publishing is only one, one of
0: the different, very worthy paths. Absolutely. I, I so admire those writers who are just writing for the sake of writing. Cause I think we should all do that with our creativity more in life. Um, well, I want to, I want to ask you one more question because Trixie, um, asked several questions and, um, I, you, I think you're one of the, the experts in the world on this. Uh, do you have any tips against procrastination? And I, and I know that you maybe even have an advanced degree in procrastination. I right? do. I do. I have. I have a yeah, postdoctorate studies
1: that I'm in, in engaging in still uh, in procrastination. I think to me this is where finding like a writing buddy is hugely helpful uh if you can find one person they don't have to live in your town um they can be a, like somebody that you lives across the country around the world but that somebody that agrees to do this as well and that you can kind of check in with each other on a daily basis you know see each other's word counts on the NaNoWriMo site um kind of know if somebody skipped a day when they shouldn't I think just knowing that there's somebody else out there that is connected to this that's also going through it but that you also can have like a healthy amount of uh, competition with, I think is really helpful to turn, like keep that procrastination at bay. Like I I know a lot of families do this together and I know, you know, that is like a beautiful thing because you never want to let your like son beat you or you never want to have that the sister win. So I think that this is, to me, it's in the same way that I think if you are like trying to do more exercise or play sports more, like you, you kind of join a team that's doing that, or you have kind of like a a running buddy or something. I think having a writing buddy will, will help you stay, stay writing when the writing gets tough.
0: I I love this family oriented competition. I'm going to face down my kids this November. Well, you write as a
1: family, don't you, Grant? Haven't you issued <laughs> SmackDown challenges to your own children?
0: De- definitely. They're, they're never they're, they're never going to beat me. It's just, you know, my, <laughs> my ego is too big to allow them, even uh, though my, my son is now taller than me. Um, but but on the subject of time management, I, I you know, for me, actually, when, when we talk about nano prep and a lot of people think about outlining and researching and all that kind of stuff, but if I'm going to be successful during nano or I'm a for me, it's really about time management, making the time to write. And and that's a kind of, it's easier said than done. And I know that you, this, this will be, I think your fourth NaNoWriMo as a working parent, Yes, which is super challenging. So I'm just curious, what's the time management strategy you're going to use this month?
1: Yeah, I think the one, so I really encourage people to kind of figure out what, wh- where their sort of like most creative window is. I think for me, it's like right after the third cup of coffee hits in the morning. and um, But for other people, they tend to be night owl writers. I think some people actually work best in the late afternoon. I've never met one of those people. I know they exist. Um, but I think that, that that the art of time management, I think you're right, that novel writing to me is as much a process of, of uh, project management as it is a creative endeavor. I think those two go very closely hand in hand. But I would say when you think about making time to write, Try to make that time coincide as much as possible with your most creative window and everybody kind of has that. So, um, I think to me, the morning time is my best time. And so what I'm going to try to do is probably just get up a little bit early, um, and, and write then when I can. Um, but the other thing around, you know, I think 1667 words. If you leave it all to one session, I think can be a little daunting, especially if you fall behind during NaNoWriMo and then it's like, oh, I have 3,000 words to write or 4,000. And that's where I think breaking your writing sessions up into like smaller sessions is a really great idea. So if you can just do 500 words before you go to work and then on your lunch break, maybe you do another 300 words and then in the evening you just have less to do. So it's it's you're kind of taking it in small bites rather than trying to devour it all in one meal.
2: So you've clearly learned a lot. I mean, you have all these strategies and I'm assuming over the years you've developed ideas and things that work and don't work. But um, after all these years of doing NaNo, do you still have pangs of self-doubt as a writer? Um, I think
1: I leave all of those pangs and I do have many of them for the revision process. Um, I think I've just now seen like the first I just my expectations for myself on a quality level for the for the first draft are so remarkably low that I I just feel I just I don't quite have that like sense of like oh is this good enough because I love that it's bad and I want it to be bad and um yeah but definitely when it comes to revision like when the month ends I just feel like my inner critic that I was able to put in the kennel for those 30 days comes back with teeth
2: Right, but at least you have a way to contain it during November, which is kind of maybe the point.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes practice too. Doing nanarimo every year is a good, good exercise to banish your editor. Um, I have another uh, kind of nanarimo, I guess, obstacle that I, that I think is famous in nanarimo lore, and it's the muddy middle, as I call it. It's it's week two of nanarimo after that that burst of joy that you've you've experienced during week one, kind of. Expires or, or exhausts itself. Um, and I think it's really tough to give writers advice about how to get beyond that week two and keep going. That's where we lose most of our writers. So, do you have any good tips for people when they hit that wall? Uh,
1: I hit it all. Yeah. I think week two, sometimes it happens in, sometimes week three. I think to me, the key in that moment is to start making big decisions because really, that's when you're hitting that wall, it's often that you had this kind of exposition for your book, your characters were meeting each other. They didn't really need to do anything. And so the tough decisions around like, what is this book about? What is going to be the turning point? What's going to kick off this adventure? Um, what's the opportunity or problem? I think you can kind of put off that decision. And I think, unfortunately, like, Right around week two is when you have to both start, you have to figure out what, what are these characters going to do for the rest of the book? And at the same time, you're probably a little sleep deprived. The dishes are stacking up in your sink. All the people that were super into this, like your support network and cheerleaders have gotten bored and moved on to other things like Netflix series. And so you're kind of alone and needing to make really tough creative calls. And I think to me, it's just like, going ahead and committing to making decisions I think decisions there's this great quote in creativity Inc from the Pixar uh, president or CEO where he talks about decisions being kind of like lights and once you make a decision you're able to see a, a you know part of this world that you just wouldn't have seen if you sort of put that off and kind of just let the characters uh, mill around for a little while longer so I think just boldly making decisions that may not feel like the right ones but you can always you'll Whatever happens, you'll be able to see a little more. Maybe you'll decide to back up and try different paths. But really just like, you know, going ahead and committing to saying, okay, this is um, – they are going to go into this tiki bar and the uh, the tiki bar is going to burn down and that is going to be – the kickoff to this great novel. I'm giving the the burning tiki bar away for free. By the way, I'm
0: writing this down right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brooke, Brooke, that's yours. I'm giving it to Brooke.
2: Yeah, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> thank you, thank you. I've got it. Uh, well, and Chris, so we're going to let you go here in a minute. But uh, as the person who has done the most nano rimo challenges ever on the planet, um, what is your approach? Because it's October, we're doing this nano prep series on the podcast, and how's your approach? to Nano changed over the years? And we've spoken to it a little bit just in terms of the low-hanging fruit, but uh, advice to the listeners out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think just going into the approach, I think um, it's, it's understandable that you're kind of feeling nervous. And again, I think to me, this comes back to this idea of really letting this feel like play. You know, we that we, we, there are so many things that we do in our lives to help other people. I think we are oftentimes focused on helping, you know, coworkers and bosses achieve their goals. And, um, if we have families, we're helping our families as well to kind of like get through the day. And, but I really see this as like, this is your time and you deserve this creative time. And, and as kids, we spend all of our time in this kind of imaginative play. You know, my son just loves Batman and has infinitely long conversations with Batman and an octopus or today it was Batman and a Witch. And he'll just like happily live in these worlds because they it just is so sustaining and satisfying. And I think as adults, we still have that impulse and that instinct and that need. And I think in our day-to-day lives we often don't give it time. So I would just say like know that this is like your time to explore and experiment and and really kind of just try big ideas and see where they go. And um to me, that's kind of the spirit that I just try to go into NaNoWriMo and just, and know that like whatever book that you're working on, like there is somebody out there who has been waiting so long to read that book and that, that these things that seem kind of like ill-conceived or half-baked, ultimately if you just start writing and keep writing, they will get better. Um, and that's kind of the, the flag that I tend to write under is that kind of hopeful flag that, this, this miserably terrible <laughs> dispiriting thing will over time and even over 30 days, um, become so much more.
0: Yeah. I love that, Chris, because I think Na- NaNoWriMo is the most playful and whimsical writing organization in the world. And I think that that's part of the secret to, to, to its success. So it's always good to remind ourselves of that. Final question. You've heard so many stories from NaNoWriMo writers over the years, Are, do you have a favorite inspiring story you could, you could share with people to close? Um, that's a great question. God, yeah.
1: I mean, I think to me, it is oftentimes the stories that I hear that I think are the most moving are the ones that aren't really about books. It's about people who tackled this challenge and succeeded, and it gave them confidence to start asking other questions. So, you know, one of the, um, the great things that I often hear is that, you know, doing NaNoWriMo, um, helped me start taking violin lessons again. It it gave me the confidence to start that business that I've been wanting to do for a long time. Um, I think for some people, it's even, it's this catalyst that moves beyond that and into relationships, where I was talking to one woman who had um, had been in a really uh, tough relationship. It sounds like she got no support and was, you know, it just sounded like a very trying situation. I think her husband at the time had said, you'll never do this, you're not a writer, and she did it. And that was the start of her, I think, really looking at herself and saying, I, I do have something in me. I have these abilities. I am worthwhile. Um, and so I met her in Colorado, and she told me this whole story. And now she's happily single. She's working on her novels. Her life just seems so much better. And I think that really what it is is just giving yourself the, the chance to believe
0: in who you are and what you can do. And from there, really, miracles will happen. Perfectly said, Chris. We receive so many testimonials from people. And, and, and just as you say, it's not necessarily about their novel. It's about how doing this huge, huge endeavor, um, has, has changed their perception of themselves and their capabilities. So thank you so much for starting this creative revolution. Thank you so much for joining us on right-minded. I wish you luck with your burning tiki bar, uh, novels writing. Hey, series. that's mine. Oh, I'm oh, yeah, that it. A oh, <laughs> Come on. Not,
2: uh, well. I, I'm on it.
0: All right. Well, thanks for having me on the show and,
1: and good luck to, to everybody out there. You can do it. And the world really does need your novel.
2: Thanks, Chris. All right, everybody. Good luck with nano prep and November's on the horizon. Remember that Right Minded is a weekly podcast. Please download our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see you next week.